Praise the Lord. Well, we thank God for this day. We thank God for our pastor. He's not here, but I believe he's here with us in spirit. And God has a message for us today. I pray that um, it will minister to each of us. It will encourage us so that um, we can become what God wants us to be. When, I mean, there is no earthly father who will have a child and will want that child to crawl at the age of 40. Nobody wants that, right? God wants us to grow. So let's pray and then we'll look in the word of God. Father, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, who came and took our place on the cross. We thank you that you have made us your children. We did not even ask for it. Before we were even born, you came and took our place. You paid the fee. We were in slavery and you ransomed us. We thank you, Father, for what you've done for us. And we thank you for your son, Jesus, who left your side, came down, took our place. We are forever grateful to you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, today we are going to look at a story in the Bible that I'm sure most of you are familiar with. And we are going to look at how what happened in the Old Testament and we're going to see how we can bring that home, bring it to our modern day society or the way we live today and see if we can avoid some of the mistakes they made. They were children of God, but they were really servants of God. They were not children yet. It was only after Jesus came that we became children. They were servants, we are children. They were called children of Israel, children of Abraham. But we are now children of God in Jesus. So, the, the story starts with Joshua and Caleb. And before even Joshua and Caleb came, um, God gave them a promise. So what we're going to do, we're going to start with a promise and we're going to end with a promise. We're going to open our Bible and we're going to see the promises that God gave us. So, in, um, in the Bible, God had an opinion of a man, a gentleman called Caleb. I'm that guy. <laughs> Can you forward the slide, please? Okay, that's what that's the opinion God had about Caleb. My servant Caleb has a different spirit and follows me wholeheartedly with all his heart. That's what God is saying. And this guy is not even born again, by the way. He's a servant. God gave the children of Israel a promise. And on the next slide, you'll see the promise. 
So I have come down now. This is in verse 7, Exodus 3 7. You will notice that God came down and said, I have noticed that you all have been in slavery and I've seen the suffering that you've been going through and I have come down to rescue you from the hand of the Egyptians. Remember, the Egyptians are your enemies. And to bring them up out of the land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. How many of you have ever tasted milk and honey? Anybody here? I tried it before. I wanted to see the milk and honey they had there. But anyway, a land flowing with milk and honey. But there's something uh, peculiar about this promise. A land flowing with milk and honey, yet they have the Canaanites, they have the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, and any sites you can think of. They were all there. But why would God bring them into such a land and promise them that it's a land flowing with milk and honey? I mean, these people were bad people. They did not believe in God. They worshipped idols. If there is any evil thing that you can think of, they practice. Yet God told his people, that's the land I'm giving you. It is a land that is flowing with milk and honey. So, when you have time, when you go home, I put the uh, scriptures there. Numbers 13, 14, and then Joshua 14, chapter 14. It will give you the whole story. So, for them to go possess this land, God decided to take 12 men from among the tribes. There were 12 tribes of Israel. And decided to take 12 men. Each man will represent the tribe they came from. And decided and told them, go spy out the land and come back and tell us what is in the land. Well, here's something I want you to think about. He told them what was in there. All these people that were in there, the things they did, but it's a land flowing with milk and honey, but I want an individual from every tribe to go in there and spy the land and bring back report. Now, they went, they spied the land, and I'm sure they saw everything God told them that they were going to see in there. I mean, this is just one of the guys that's doing the spying. He's on this side. The other guy is on the other side. People are all over. They are spying. They've decided they are going to come back. They will meet at one spot. And then they will go back to Moses. If you go to the next slide, you'll see that he came back and said, there are grapes, there are figs, there are pomegranates. Now, this is just a representation of really what is there. I mean, from history, we can see that. If, if you know a little bit about Israel, all the land that is surrounding Israel was really supposed to be for the Israelites. That's the land God, was, God promised them. But when they got there, they did not listen. They did not do what God told them to do, so they lost a lot of what they were supposed to get. But this is what they brought back. 
They showed it to Moses and Aaron. The land is flowing indeed with milk and honey. And everybody, the first report they gave was really good. God is, 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 God's promises are so. When he said he's going to give us this land flowing with milk and honey, it is indeed flowing with milk and honey. But if you go to the next slide, they forgot about the promise that God has given them and they focused on the giants they saw in the land. Look at that guy. He's describing the giant. How tall the giants are. How little we are. I mean, that is called an evil report. They were focusing on the bad guys in the land. Doesn't that happen to us? God has given us promises. And what do we do? We pay more attention to the giants in our lives than the promises that we have in God's word. Look at that ugly giant. That's what they are focusing on. Now that giant, those giants could represent a whole lot of things in our lives. whole lot of things. Let's go to the next slide. Now, those guys, 10 of the 12 spies, they worked the people up so much that the people started crying and said, we are going to go back to Egypt. You know what Egypt represents? The world you came out of. You are not born again. You were a sinner. You are not born again. But now you are born again. You are a child of God. God has told you I love you. But as soon as you hear about a little giant, you want to go back. I mean, how disheartening that could have been for God. They said they were going to go back. So Joshua and Caleb tore their clothes. And said, please don't do this. Yes, there are giants in the land. But God is with us. We can whip them. We can beat them. Their strength has departed. And I'll show it to you all if you can go. These people got so worked up. Do you know what they wanted to do? They picked up stones to stone Joshua and Caleb. That's what they did. That's how worked up they were. And... The rebellion was so bad, even Moses could not restrain the people from rebelling. They, they started talking about, let's look for somebody from among us who can lead us back to Egypt. It would have been better for us to die in Egypt than for us to come in this wilderness and die in this wilderness. And I mean, they were really lying. They were not being genuine. If you want to die, it, does it matter how the death comes? You wanted to go back to Egypt and die there instead of dying in the wilderness. But anyway, that's what they were saying. If you go to the next slide, the glory of God had to appear to stop them from stoning Joshua and Caleb and from rebelling against the promise of God. Now, we are going to look at how this can apply to our lives, to our individual lives, to our lives as a family, to our lives as a nation. Let's go to the next slide. You see, the fact that the 10 spies reported, the people who live there are powerful. That is a fact. Now, I want you to hold on to the fact 
and the truth. We can't attack them in themselves. They couldn't. It's a fact. They are stronger than us. Oh man, what a negative word. I mean phrase. They are stronger than us. The land we explored divorced those living in it. All the people we saw there are of great size. We saw the Nephilim. These were the giants. We seem like grasshoppers in our own eyes. We look like grasshoppers to them. And the Bible says that because they brought back the facts that they saw there, the Bible calls that an evil report. Yes. An evil report. Now, have you ever been to the doctor? And they say you have cancer? And you forget about the promises of God? And you focus on the sickness that the devil has put on you? And you talk more about the sickness than the promises of God? Have you ever found yourself doing that? If you do that, you are no different from the ten spies. Now, is anybody telling you ignore the facts? No. You can acknowledge the facts, but hold on to the truth. Can we go to the next slide? You see, they pay more attention to the problems of life than the promises of God. Do you know your promised land as Christians? What is called our promised land? It is the Bible. The Bible is our promised land. What we have here, remember I told you we started with a promise and we're going to end with a promise. I'm going to show you where the Bible says that God has already provided for you everything that pertains to life and godliness. Everything. We have a promise. They had a promise. Now, look at Joshua and Caleb. Today, I want you to see the difference between what is a fact and what is truth. If you know the difference, it will help you a lot. Joshua and Caleb did not ignore the facts of what they saw. They, you see, they told their clothes that represent your, you have a zeal for God. They learned, this is what they said, is exceedingly good. The Lord will lead us into that land and it's a land flowing with milk and honey. Do not rebel against the Lord. Don't be afraid. We will devour them. Their protection is gone. You see, they did not deny the fact that giants were in the land. Nobody is saying, deny the fact that what condition they've seen in your body, what financial issues you have don't exist. They do exist. But there's a promise. That promise has to do with the truth of God's word. Now, you see Joshua and Caleb, they paid more attention to the promises of God than the problems of life. There is nothing you can do about the problems of life. They will come to you. Do you know who the God of this world is? The devil is the God of this world. 2 Corinthians 4.4 4. Satan is the God of this world. As long as you are here on planet Earth, you are going to encounter him in different forms. But when he comes, don't forget, 
God has given you promises. When the facts confront you in the daily affairs of life, cling to the truth. God's word is truth. The, 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 the facts of life, these facts are going to confront everybody who is on earth. The difference between us and those who are not Christians, we have God's word to hold on to. We have God's promises to hold on to. Learn to agree with God by speaking his promises over your life. I think I've shared my testimony here with you guys. And I don't mind going over it again. After I was born again, um, you know, as a Christian, I was involved in things that I was not supposed to be even involved in. I was involved in pornography. That was the big hold on my life. I would go for months and I look at any pornographic material. And then, after six months or so, I find myself going back to it. I mean, that thing just, and the guilt. And that's exactly what the devil wants. But do you know what I did? I selected, I, I looked in the Bible, God gave me a scripture, I took that scripture and I confessed it over, over my life. And I was just sharing with somebody yesterday how the thought does not even come to my mind anymore. Even if the thought comes, there is no desire because the promise of God's word set me free from that. So, learn to agree with God. Now, this is the promise. That God has given every born again Christian. The Bible says in 2 Peter 1 and 4, according as his divine power has provided for us all things that pertains to life and godliness through the knowledge of him that has called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given to us exceeding great and precious promises. That by these you might be partakers of the divine nature. You see that? The two, you see divine power, divine nature. God wants you to partake of his nature. God is divine. And he's giving you these promises. You know, as a Christian, I was a Muslim. I became a Christian and I thank God. Oh, I thank God. I thank God so much. I mean, every day when I look at the lives of Muslim brothers and sisters, ritualistic life. They go to God, they pray five times a day, they bow down, whether God is speaking or not, they don't listen, they just bow down and get up. I mean, ritualistically, they do it every day, five times a day. Sometimes, we can be held by traditions. Christians can be held by traditions. And when we are held by these traditions, these traditions will make the word of God void in our lives. Here and now, I don't want to get on anybody's toes, but I'm sure you may have heard about where somebody said, has, has said, never pray for patience. If you pray for patience, God will make sure you have patience. That is really, that is not in the Bible. You know why that is a tradition? Galatians 5.22 says that God has already given you patience. So when you went, you prayed, and you asked God to give you patience, 
Who brought those troubles on you? You thought God brought them to teach you patience. The devil took advantage of your ignorance and brought situations in your life. And then you say, oh, God is bringing these things on me to teach me patience. That is not true. Because Galatians 5.22 says, The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, goodness, patience. These things you have already. Do not ask God for things you already have. Don't ask God for things you already have. Do you all know why God, and I never had this, I've never read this in the book. God brought it to me. I mean, I was reading my Bible when, when, when God brought it to my heart. Do you know why they call David a man after God's heart? David, don't tell me David is better than you, okay? Big guy, not only committed adultery, he killed somebody and all of that. Yet God called him a man after my heart. You know why? David is one of these men who continually praise God, who continually thank God, who continually worship God. Do you know that that is what God is calling us to do? To praise Him, to worship Him, and thank Him? Do you know what uh, Hebrews 15, Hebrews 13, 15 says? By Him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is, the fruit of our lips giving praise to his name. We are supposed to thank God, but instead, Christians are begging God. When most times we go before God, instead of holding on to the promise of God, promises of God, do you know what we do? And when we go to pray, the first thing we do, we call ourselves sinners. Father, I come to you, I'm a sinner. I'm a poor sinner. Do you, I really believe that that breaks God's heart. Whether you realize it or not, when you call yourself a sinner, you are glorifying Adam more than what Jesus did for you on the cross. Honestly, that's what you're doing. You may not realize it, but it's just like the law of gravity. You may say, I don't believe in it. I don't know it exists. There's no proof that it exists. And you just go stay on top of the roof and go down and drop and see what happens. Whether you believe in it or not, it will work against you. So, God has, has, has called us his children. If God is calling you his child, don't call yourself a sinner. If God calls you righteous, don't call yourself a sinner. When, when, when you call yourself a sinner, you are saying the sin of Adam is greater than the righteousness of Jesus Christ. When you do that, you need to agree with God. If you learn to agree with God, your life will be so much better. There, and when you read the Bible, especially the episodes, the letters, when you read them, look for phrases like in him, by him, through him, and take those as yours. Those that belong to you. I wrote a few here. For example, when you go before God, you think God remembers your sin. Do you know that there is a scripture that says God does not remember your sins? Did you know that? God does not remember your sins. Do you know the people who remember your sins? You, your friends, and the devil. They are the only ones that remember your sins. So if you go before God and you are, you are so much into this telling God that you are a sinner, 
you are actually doing a disservice to yourself. Um, if God calls you righteous, you know what you need to do? You need to go around and tell all your friends, I'm righteous. Why do you call yourself righteous? Because God calls me righteous. Call yourself righteous. Don't be afraid. As you call yourself righteous, the power embedded in the righteousness of God will begin to be released in your life. That very habit, that secret life you have, that you are ashamed of, you don't talk about to anybody, the righteousness of God will give you the power you need to overcome that secret thing in your life that you are afraid of. So, call yourself righteous. No matter what is holding you, just call yourself righteous. Don't call yourself... For example, you are in jail and you keep saying, I'm in jail, I'm in jail, I'm in jail. I mean, what is that going to do? Why not talk about your freedom? Maybe that will give you some hope, right? So, if God calls you righteous, call yourself righteous. Do you know that in the eyes of God, you are perfect? In the eyes of God, when God looks at you, the Bible says you have been perfected forever. But at here is the problem people have. Christians. Here is the big problem Christians have. Christians have knowledge issues. Our pastor said, I think a couple of weeks ago, loose wire connections. You know how you have your car, your car, you, the, the tires are good, the gasoline you've put in there is the best. You've changed that, you've changed this, the battery, you put new batteries and all of that, it still will not start. One man actually uh, gave a story about that. He had his car. He did everything he knew how to do. He, so he gave up on the car. He gave it away to somebody. And later he, found, he asked the person, were you able to fix the car? He said, oh yeah, nothing was wrong with the car. It was just a little loose wire. And I connected it. It's been running good ever since. You know Christians have loose wires? One of the biggest issues we have is spiritual laziness. We do not want to open the Bible and see the promises that God has given us. We want the elders, the pastor, the deacons to do it. We want them to pray for us. We don't want, you know, most times, you know what people say? People will tell you, they will say, the Bible is such a hard book. Do you know that these same people, they know all the episodes of the Real Housewives of D.C.? <laughs> no, honestly, they do they know every episode. They know all the actors and the actresses in there. But when it comes to the Bible, the Bible is such a hard book. That's not true. Read your Bible. Discover the promises God has given you and it will enrich your life. If God calls you redeemed, call yourself redeemed. And learn to agree with God. If you agree with God, I'm telling you the Bible says, if two of you shall agree, and I think it's in the book of Amos where it says two cannot walk together unless they agree. God wants to work with you if you are every day contradicting God, that is not going to help you. Can somebody turn on the light, please, so that we can all read Joshua 14? Everybody, turn to Joshua 14. Go to the book of Joshua. And we will start with verse 6. 
listen carefully to what uh, this man, Joshua was 45 years old when God gave him the promise. When he was 80 years old, he went to uh, um, Caleb. I mean, he went to Caleb was 45 years old when the promise was given. 40 years later, he went to uh, Joshua and said, Look, I am as strong as when the promise was given to us. I want to go and possess the land. Listen to this. Now, the people of Judah approached Joshua at Gilgad, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, said to him, You know what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, at Kadesh Benia, about you and me. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Benia to explore the land. And I brought him back a report according to my convictions. But my fellow Israelites who went with me made the hearts of the people melt in fear. I, however, followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. So on that day, Moses swore to me, the land which, on which your feet have walked will be your inheritance and that of your children forever because you have followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. Wholeheartedly. What's the wholeheartedness? God spoke, he believed, and he acted on it. That's what we need to do. If, do you have financial issues? Do you have health issues? I mean, most times, people can handle financial issues with some grace. But when it comes to health issues, when the doctor gives you that fact about your health, oh man, it's so easy. I work in a hospital. I've seen people fall apart like $2, uh, like a $2 suitcase, as somebody says. Once they give them that news that you have this in your body, it's like they just, I mean, it devastates them. There was the story of two women, both had cancers. So these two women went and they prayed for them in the church. And when they prayed for them in the church, their doctors verified that the cancer had disappeared. They don't know what happened, but it left. Well, a few months later, one of the women came and said, my symptoms have come back. And she was so devastated. She kept telling everybody, my symptoms have come back. My symptoms have come back. And you know what happened? She died. When she died, the other lady who had the same cancer did not die. So people were wondering, what happened? Why did this lady die? So the family decided to do an autopsy. And so they went and did the autopsy. And do you know what they found? Nothing. She did not die of cancer. The devil killed the lady with symptoms. With symptoms. Nothing was there. All that lady needed to do was hold on to the promises of God. I'm telling you, the Bible calls the devil the God of this world. And, and because he's the God of this world, he manipulates the atmosphere. He, it's so terrible that when evil things happen, people call that acts of God. Have you ever read your insurance paper? That's what they call it, acts of God. No, it's not God. It's the devil. He's the God of this world. But do you know what Jesus said? Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions 
and over all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. That's a promise. That is a promise. And you know what the devil does sometimes? The devil, he's a rascal. He's a deceiver. He will come and put symptoms on you to really see if you truly believe what you read yesterday. And we make sure it sticks. But if you stand your ground, and just, I have done that. I have done that. I remember. And this, I mean, I had something in my shoulder six months I was speaking to that thing. Until eventually left. I just, you know, sometimes when I lay back, when I lay down and think back on it, what if I had given up? It would have caused it to stick. When you, when you go to bed, you wake up with some symptoms that you did not go to bed with. Remember, that's not part of your promise. Speak to it. There is actually a neuroscientist who did these studies and wrote it. When, he, when uh, his patients would come to him, you know what he would tell them? He would say, speak to your body. Tell that blood pressure to normalize. Yes? That's what he did. Tell that blood pressure to normalize. So every day, the patient starts saying, blood pressure, you are 120 over 80. You are 120 over 80. And you know what happened? They came back and reported their blood pressure normalized. And he wrote his article and put it in one of these medical journals. So your body has ears. It can hear. Your organs can hear. Speak to your organs. And when you are ready to speak, take the Bible and speak those words to your organs. You have children? Speak over your children. Use the promises of God and speak over them. You will be surprised at what results uh, you can get out of the promises of God. So as we close, I want you to know that God loves you. God loves you more than you can ever imagine. And because he loves you, he gave you a promised land to possess. And for you to know what your rights are, you have to read what the will of God is. As you read promises, apply them to your lives. Be mindful of your words. Because they were not mindful of their words. The Bible says they gave evil report to the people. Do you know that the first ten spies, they died of a plague right there and then? And then after that, God said, all the people who saw my Mom, the miracles are did. They will not enter the promised land. Because they saw the miracles are did and they rebel against me. By believing an evil report, they will not enter the promised land. So, agree with God. Speak what God has said about you. For your children, do the same thing. You know, I teach in the college here. Some of these students... They will be doing something. They call me, Mr. Caleb, can you come? I don't understand. As soon as they tell me I don't understand, I said, I'm not going to help you. You already told me you don't. But when they call me and say, Mr. Caleb, I'm trying to understand. I said, okay, I can help you. Your words. People don't realize it. Your words can create your destiny. Be careful what comes out of your mouth. you believe it or not, everything you see on planet earth were created by words. Light be and light became. There is power in your words. There are laws that govern words. 
Be careful what you say to your children. Even if you don't know a subject, don't tell them it is hard when they come to you for help. Just tell them, I will call Dickens, so so and so so, or Elder, so so and so so. They'll show you. You see what I mean? But to tell people, it is hard. You can't make it. It is difficult. Now, my Ghanaian brothers and sisters, and other African brothers and sisters, there is something we are so notorious for doing. This is what you always hear them say. It's not easy. As soon as they tell me that it's not easy, I say there is a demon call, it's not easy. As soon as you say that, it jump on you. Whatever you do will not be easy. People love to say that. Things are hard. It's not easy. Please change your words. Replace your words with the promises of God and enjoy the fruits of the promised land. Thank you for allowing me to encourage you this morning. I will call Brother Tim. Um, 